It is not Lauren Honickman. He is away until next week. A little deserved break. So it'll be Joe Neuberger joining us to talk about a few of the big headlines. And of course, it has to do with the two big stories, pot and terror. Because I'm still totally perplexed how in Lord's name the RCMP can't figure out. Struggle to find a way to charge any returning ISIS fighter to this country. Let's bring in Joe Newberger to this conversation. Of course, if you need a lawyer, you can call him NRLLawyers.com. He is with us for this week's case in point, and he joins me now. So, Joe, we got this big headline story that, uh, you know, Canadian ISIS fighter, he wants to come home, but the RCMP simply can't figure out how to lay charges against him. Is this a joke? Like, how is it possible in 2018 when there was terror, you know, anti-terror laws put in 2012, how can they not figure out how to charge this guy? Well, they need some evidence of an involvement. Well, I mean, if they have actual proof of his involvement in a terrorist organization, then that should be pretty clear on the legend. Well, they got his membership. They've got his membership card calling himself a fighter and his whole social media account. That seems pretty strong to me, because if you're a member of one of those groups, you can be charged under the anti-terrorism legislation. As far as any other charges and doing doing something in furtherance of a terrorist organization, then you would need some actual evidence of that other than just simply writing stuff. But you, there could be a number of ways to look at it. It also depends what's in the social media. There could be all sorts of information that uh, promotes hatred of an identifiable, uh, identifiable group, mm-hmm. and that could lead to something as well under the hate crime legislation. But um, you know, you have to you have to have some evidence of this, and you have to marshal that along. So I'm not sure why the RCMP is having such a great difficulty on this one. Well, I'm I'm scratching my head as well, because to look at this guy in the way that Stuart Bell, who is the uh, reporter on this, you know, this is a guy that uh, threatened the particular journalist who was who was uh, um, interviewing him, saying that, you know, his head would be next to use as a soccer ball. This is a guy who's openly talked about hate against homosexuality and and religious groups, etc. So. I don't know if it's that there's no law or it's just that there's no government with the will. Because this is the government that also said Canadian is a Canadian is a Canadian. And so here we've got Canadians. And there's not just one, Joe. We're talking like as many as 12 or 13 that the Kurdish government is saying, get rid of them, take them back. And I don't think Canadians want them, but the government might think differently. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm I'm sort of on both sides. I do believe that if we have Canadian nationals abroad, that that we should still have open borders. We don't remove or... Uh, deny citizenship and return to Canada necessarily on that basis. But however, given their actions abroad, under the legislation where we do have jurisdiction, charges can be laid and they can be brought to justice on these issues. So it's really a catch-22 for an individual who wants to come back to Canada. And I, I agree with you that I think you have to have a political desire to do this. And um, I'm not sure that the government that we have federally right now has that type of political desire. They seem to be more about reconciliation than about holding people accountable for these types of actions and, and not trying to um, create ripples in the water internationally, probably for a number of reasons. Yeah, but, um, you know, we ourselves have fighters that are going across, and I can't imagine the message that it sends um, to suggest that these people can go out on the international stage, commit crimes, you know, commit treason against their own country, um, and then, and we don't have yet a cohesive policy in place to deal with them. It just makes no sense to me at well, all. You're, you're, you're right. We don't have a cohesive policy, and it's because the government doesn't want to have one on this. So I don't think this is so much a difficulty with legislation 
from a criminal or anti-terrorism perspective. I think it's wanting to have a, a sound, you know, logical, comprehensive policy to deal with these individuals should they be wanting to come back to Canada or should they be extradited in any way to Canada for some other for some crime. And we need a policy in place that the government really wants to follow and pursue. Yeah. Otherwise, how do you solve it? I mean, how do you send the message or de-radicalize others who are watching this if you don't set the example? The other thing is they've solved a lot of these cases, be it Omar Khadr or a number of other um, fighters or people who have gone overseas by just giving them money. And so that's the precedent set. So I think if they don't take a hard stand and hand these guys a check, you know, maybe that's what they're going to do. Well, I I hear what you say. His was a slightly different because it was a Canadian national who was uh, of minor age where there was uh, clear evidence of torture and what steps the Canadian government should have taken in that regard. That being said, he was involved in terrorist activities that led to a soldier's death. So there would have been a different way to deal with it, but that's that's the government that was elected and the way they wanted to pursue it. You know, Canada's, you know, the population decides when they go to the polls and that's the policy they want, they get. But I think for other individuals in slightly different circumstances, we can have a cohesive policy because we don't want to become a safe haven for uh, people who go across to foreign countries to um, commit crimes against other individuals and, frankly, commit treason and other horrific acts. We need a policy to address it and not be a safe haven. Sure. Uh, Other policies that we don't really have um, are a lot of policies on pot. That is legal now, well, seven days from now. We'll be able to go and smoke a joint together, Joe. Um, But, you know, interestingly, today, both the Toronto police and the RCMP made it clear that there is a no tolerance policy when it comes to pot. So within even 28 days of reporting to duty, you can't smoke anything. That, that Some people will say that's very unfair. Where where are you on this? Where does this go? This is a quagmire. That it's not, <laughs> like, this is a joke. There has to be policies in place now as to what we can do as Canadians because you're legalizing it. So we need that. The other thing which I have a grave concern about is the fact that we didn't consult with or work with our international partners i.e. the United States, because I'm concerned about Canadians and young Canadians going to the border and being asked specific questions and not having some sort of uh, legislation or protocol in place with the United States because we've decided to legalize it. So on many fronts, domestically, how we deal with it, how we deal with it uh, with respect to impaired driving and how we deal with it internationally, these are three areas where I think we're lacking guidance and policy and it causes me considerable concern because we are just seven days away from its legalization. Yeah, I mean, there's no question. I mean, there were, there, were, there was a pot group giving out pot on the street the other day, just as a, a promotional kind of gimmicky thing. And it sounds cute yeah. on the surface, but it's highly illegal. And it, if well, this it, is what it, we're going to see around the streets where people are giving out pot and all the rest of it, it defeats the whole purpose of what it was sold to us on. Well, I suspect, you know, the one thing they did do is the, the penalties have increased under the uh, CDSA, the the Controlled Drugs and Substances Act. So if people are trafficking, um, they can be charged and sent to jail. And it, it's not insignificant because the penalties did not go down. They went up. So uh, and, and, and in Ontario now, we're, we're seeing a change where private companies are going to be able to distribute and sell. So I think we need to get all in order what we have to do and get it in line so that we have some policies and know exactly how to deal with it. We need to know we need to know that our police are going to deal with this in a consistent manner because we do not want this stuff being just handed out on the streets. And we don't want to send message to youth as well who are underage that this is just OK. Do you get the sense that we'll see challenges uh, by law enforcement or those who are, are, you know, if you're if you're not going to let police officers smoke it, and I kind of get why they're not going to, you know, you sign that oath um, when you take the badge that you're willing to go in above and but 
and uh, beyond. And I can get it in the sense that, you know, let's say a police officer smoked it a couple of days before and then got called in and then got into a incident where, let's say, the SIU was called in. And now they've got to test and see what happens. But you've got pot in your system and they can't determine when was that in the system. So right. those are the problems it creates. But on the flip side, don't these officers, whether it's RCMP, don't they have charter rights that they should be able to take part in legal activities? Well, I look at it this way. It's the same as what the policies that are in place for TTC, other public transit. Right. If you sign on to a job where you have a duty of public care, okay, you're operating a bus, right. you're dealing with the public, you're a paramedic, you're a firefighter, you know, you've decided to voluntarily apply for that job and get it. And you're going to have to live by certain rules and regulations, which may curb, you know, your, your private life to use certain substances. No different than you can't be drunk on the job. So I have no difficulty with that. My, you know, I, I don't. I think it, these are policies that are appropriate. I don't think you have charter violations because people, these people, are imbued with tremendous power, and not only their own health is at risk, as well as other individuals in the community. You know, my my concern lays more about how we apply these policies in the public domain. That's really what's concerning me as we get very close to this legislation now coming into power. Yeah, well, I think your phone's going to probably start ringing next week again with a whole slew of new problems. But no question, I think there's going to be a lot of haze over the next few months with what we can and can't do and be interesting. There's going to be lots of haze. Yes, I agree with you 100%. Thank you, sir. My pleasure. Have a great show. That is Joe Newberger joining me tonight. Man, oh man, lawyers will be getting a lot of calls in the next couple of months. <laughs> Start next Tuesday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. When's the 17th? Wednesday.